Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the show that doesn't start with a huge <gasps> song or anything like that. Maybe I should make a song. You think I should write a song and, and do a song for our, our podcast? Uh, no, probably not. Why not? I'm a good writer. I, I write good songs. You are. But when I listen to podcasts, I get tired of those after the first five episodes of the podcast. I get tired of that oh. song getting in my way. Well, here I am sitting here crushed because I thought it would really. Anyway, so we're driving through the we're driving through the uh, north part of the state of Missouri today. We're in a car. We're driving past the cemetery. Hello, cemetery. Give them the shaka sign because I always say, you know, tell the dead people to hang loose because that's just the cool thing to do. And uh, driving through the area of the state where there's lots and lots and lots of these really big fans blowing. I don't know why they turn these fans on. They thought we needed a better place. breeze. Yeah, they're they're making you know. It was pretty breezy to start with. So and now they're they're making more breeze. And actually, they're wind turbines. This is a brand new wind turbine farm. Yep. And um, it's interesting. Wind turbine farm. How many people that listening to this, that probably just triggered? And I find that fascinating. That is a that's a, a topic probably for another day after I do a little more research in it. But there are so many people that, that wind power trigger, and it's a fascinating subject. Um, but we'll get into that another day. What Welcome to the show. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're here for <laughs> is to help you help others be prepared and help others be more capable. And the way you can do that is by learning how to most effectively share what you know to get other people up to a real level of competence. Instead of being helpless people that you have to care for or see suffer or whatever, you can make a real positive difference in people by improving their own competence. Okay, now, first of all, before we do anything else, um, we're going to... <clears throat> excuse me. I don't talk a lot, so I... We're going to throw out our bono fides here. I have been... I have taught many, many classes over the years and adult education classes and personal photography. I'm a photography teacher. I teach that quite a bit on a personal level. And she is a 20-something year, almost a 30-year veteran of being a college teacher. And unlike almost every other college teacher that you'll ever find, she's also a licensed secondary school teacher. That's right. She has her uh, a dual degree in uh, education. One of my grad degrees is in education. Yeah. So that she could go, if she wasn't teaching college, she could be immediately eligible to go right in and, and uh, teach state. She'd have to get her license up to date, but she has a license. So she's had all this training in education and all this experience in education. And after all the training and all the experience, and all of the just uh, day-in, day-out grind of education, she's probably learned a couple of things. This is my thing. This is what I do. I never went into—actually, I was in the research side of uh, the biomedical sciences for a while. But it never lit my fire. But teaching lights my fire. I'd love to help people understand how things work, what's going on in bodies, how to intervene successfully— in what's going on in bodies, and really teaching them instead of just knowing it myself is the main thing. Now, part of the equation that we're talking about here 
is there are effective teachers and there are ineffective teachers. And some of the traits that we're going to talk about are the traits that we we have found that effective teachers pretty much across the board have and use. So first thing I did when we opened this up, I tried to give you a sense of why it mattered to you. Because the fact that I am interested in the subject is not enough to get you to pay attention and to try and absorb what I'm trying to get across to you. You have to see why it's valuable to you. And you can, to an extent, do that by sharing your own enthusiasm for a topic. But you also have to make sure you connect it to the people who you're actually hoping to learn. Because seeing your fire can help spark their fire. But it's their fire that's got to be lit before you're going to have effective learning. We've got some ideas on how to do that, but understanding that I, I, I love to use the word purchase, and I mean it not in the sense of go out and buy something, but in the, the sense of you have to have a grip to stand, uh, you have to have a grip. You know, when you talk about um, I have a good purchase on the mountain, that means I'm, I'm, I'm well-founded in my um, hands and feet position so that I'm holding on to the mountain really well. You have to have that purchase in, with a person to uh, really reach them. Cause change, because learning is causing change. And the first thing that that I try and do after I help somebody see why they would care about what I'm trying to get across to them, I have a natural advantage there. I teach how the human body works. They've all got one. (laughs) There you go. And everybody has a very large degree of self-interest. So I, I tie it through that and through their own, you know, if they're sports people, they're going to hear a lot of sports things. If they're pre-med, they're going to hear a lot of medical things. And, and that is a big advantage because she can say, okay, you know when you, you're doing this and your heart rate does this, boom, everybody knows this. They, have a, they all have a common frame of reference. Whereas one of the things that I'm passionate about and I, I uh, teach as a sideline thing is history. And even though we all have a history – there's not, you don't have that connect. So I have to look a lot harder to find a connect. But anyway. Look for the connect. Look for the connect. The next thing is give them some sort of structure. Very few things are more frustrating as a learner than being asked to memorize things, do things, uh, spend effort on mastering things when you've got no idea where it fits, why you should learn that particular thing, what its relevance is. We call it scaffolding, and I'm not going to go off edge speaking on you, because for people who try and be educators for a living, and then putting a whole bunch of special jargon in the way, it's a dumb idea. But the idea here is that you give somebody a basic idea of where you're going with this and how each piece you're asking them to deal with fits into the overall structure. They're not only going to be much more motivated to engage in it, but they will retain it much better and they'll be able to use the information much better. You would think that if you learn all the things you need to learn, if you learn all the facts you need and you're a smart person, that you could reasonably put all those facts together and come up with a reasonable application of your knowledge to a new situation. 
wrong, but thank you for playing. It seems like it ought to work great, but it doesn't. To be good at using people information, people have to practice using the information. Applying is a separate skill than knowing. And when you provide a scaffold for somebody by showing them where each piece fits into the overall whole, you're setting them up to be able to use the information in a useful way. Shall I use my Fruity Loops example? Go for it. Okay. Well, I'm I actually one of my many things that I do for fun is I do record music. I am a I am a very bad music producer. I'm trying to learn a new piece of software, a Fruity Loops or FL Studio, if you will. To call it FL Studio now because Fruity Loops just sounded too stupid for words. Amen there. Yeah. And but anyway, and so I've been looking online for tutorials. You usually have to look around quite a ways to find a tutorial that works for you. And after looking around for quite a while, I finally found one that taught it the right way, as far as I'm concerned. They gave me the purchase I needed to hang on to it, and she calls it structure, uh, to hang on to it so that I could really start to grasp the overall thing. Basically, the person said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to first lay down a beat, and then I'm going to teach you how to do, you know, put in your first instrument, blah, blah, blah. And so just do as I do. I'll explain it later. We can go into more details later. But unless you know how to do the actual physical thing, Nothing else will make sense to you. So he did. It's just a walk step by step through do this, do this, do this. Okay, we're going to take this because there's this one really technical thing that you'd have to do or it'll sound like terrible. Just do it. Don't ask me why. Just do it. Once you're, once you're actually doing it more and more, it will make sense to you. And so basically, he gave me the structure to actually get in and start using the program that, one, got me started, two, started to get me more enthusiastic about it because I was getting somewhere. I wasn't just spinning around frustrated and going, okay, that's cool and everything like that. It's got all these features, but how does it work? Celebrate successes, always. Absolutely. And so as we get further on down... You know, we could stop and say, okay, now at this point in time to improve, you can do this, you can do this. You, and this is how this ties in with, the, you know, that's, but you actually have the structure underneath to be able to be talking the same language. And if that guy had started that YouTube for me and just jumped in with the do as I do, don't ask me why until later, I would have flipped on and found another video. But just that little bit of, you need to learn how to lay down a basic beat. Once you get into doing that, the other stuff will make more sense. So we're going to talk about that later. For now, just do as I do. He would have totally sold me at that point. Cause uh, okay, he I, did it actually get... more like what she just said. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually a pretty good teacher. Um, anyway. So you let them know where they're going. The other thing is... One of the hard things about teaching, especially in a classroom situation in a big class, you ask a question, you got, oh, 50 people, 100 people sitting there looking at you. The temptation is to not let the silence be there. 
but it's very important to let people's brains think and work on their own, to let them drag up the other information they know and tie it in. So when you ask somebody a question, you you don't just ask them the question, they don't know right away, you jump in and do it. You ask them the question, and you give them time, because people need time to think through things. And you let them try their own answer. You don't jump right in and tell them what's right. If somebody tries it on their own, and they get it completely wrong, and you very soon after, without making them feel stupid, point out the correct answer instead, they learn it much better than if they heard it. I'm only going to throw in one little caveat to what she just said, because this is such a typical guy thing. (laughs) When you're teaching somebody, and they're learning on their own, you've shown them and they're trying to figure it out, and they can't figure it out, but they're working on it, don't just jump in and grab it and say, no, like this. Do not do that with one exception. Safety. If they're going to break the thing or shoot somebody or, you know, safety. Safety for people and safety for the device. For example, if they're about to tear the side off of a firearm you're trying to teach them to do or break something, okay, step in. And that can happen. But for the most case, it doesn't. Um, And you wait for them until they start repeating the same thing over and over and over. At that point in time, once they're repeating the same mistake they've made over and over and over again, expecting a different result, then it's time to, to maybe start dropping hints but you let people struggle a little bit and then you drop a hint Mm -hmm. and let them take it from there you don't just say oh no here you do this you do that you know and like uh you could drop a hint like well remember when i said that that um hammer has to be pulled back just for example that's it if there's something obvious or just that one little hint let that trigger the learning process because doing, whether it's mentally or physically, is the best way to, to get purchase. Learners often think they want learning to be as easy as possible. That's often the goal. Oh, you laid it out. It was not so simple. It was so straightforward. It made so much sense. But the sad fact of the matter is that real learning is not easy. Real learning is wrapping your own brain around it. And I have found if I do a beautiful, well-thought-out, extremely efficiently scripted presentation where I explain all of it beautifully and I do a great job, they don't really learn it. They don't really remember it if that's all there is. You can do that. Okay. Sometimes it is time to just teach directly and clearly. But then you have to present situations where the student themselves has to work with it, has to struggle with it, has to make it their own if you want them to actually keep it with them. Perfect example is she will present the information, get it out there so they understand the information as far as, yes, I've heard this. And then she goes right to scenarios. And starts working scenarios. And the scenarios are designed not only to set the information firmly in the student's mind, but to teach relationships to how this fits in with the rest of what's going on. 
I call it walking them down the garden path. Because for something complex, I've explained the basics of it. So the information they need to do it is in their head. But it's a complicated topic, and you have to think about it in particular ways. And it's really not straightforward, even if you know all the basic facts. When I, After I present those basic facts, and they you know, got them reasonably well, you start presenting them with problems. But you don't just kick them in the deep end with a complex situation and expect them to get all the way themselves. You use that structure you set up. And you ask them to do a little chunk of it at a time, and you structure the little chunks in such a way that it will lead them to think about things in the right way. You ask little sub-questions so that what they need to know next is at the top of their mind before you move on to the next step. So every little question is just one little chunk of it, but they have to come up with every piece, and the way you schedule the questions leads them down the thinking path. Now they've got a model for how to think about the problem, how to approach the task, if it's a task, and that sticks with them. And here's one of the keys to this whole thing. And she, this is how she does hers. And you can apply this to your own situation and however, but what she'll do is she'll do exactly what she said, and then... Part of the education process is also evaluation. You have to know whether they learned something, i.e. the quizzes and then the test. That's just part of an education is you have to be able to, to test them to make sure that they know that. And they have to know whether or not they know it. Right. And there's two ways of doing the testing thing. And so many of the times uh, in our education system and the way we teach things, we teach them to memorize, and we teach them to just know the facts. That just does not stick. Dates and times and facts and names, they don't stick. But what she'll do instead of memorization is she will have test questions that are designed specifically to take the various parts of the process that she has taught, combine them in a different way. And then if they learn the underlying theories and what's the word? It's not approaches. Procedures, but, approaches. Uh, approaches. And then the, the physiology or the whatever it is, they can actually solve the problem and, they've and had, succeed. They've had practice doing this. They've had practice where they've uh, very structured practice where they got immediate feedback on it. And then they've had less structured practice where they had to be more freeform about it because that's what it takes to develop the skills. As and, an aside, it also makes it virtually impossible to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does make it much harder to cheat on the exams, and that's a nice bonus because you can't just look up the answer somewhere because, yeah, you can look up the facts, but that's not the hard part as it turns out. So a very important part of this process, though, one of my favorite expressions is that if I thought you should know all this dead easy, I would be wasting your time. Because people are very insecure about being wrong. They're very... Now, you can use snowflake uh, um, insults and things if you want. But the fact of the matter is, people are vulnerable when they think they're wrong, they hate being wrong, and they certainly hate people thinking they're stupid or incompetent. 
So it's very important that you project that, yes, I'm asking you to do some things that are challenging. Yeah, you went a little astray. But that's not because you're stupid. That's because you're learning. That's what we're here for. If, if I thought you ought to know it all already, I'd be wasting your time asking you to do it. That's why we're here. Well, it, Don't make them feel stupid. And interestingly, that whole thing ties in with another tenet of science. Uh, if we knew what we were doing, it, then it would be, be research. research. <laughs> One of my favorite. Yeah, but it's very true. Einstein I mean, if we, you know, yeah. well, they don't, ha- that, all, that went all, yeah, but if we knew what we were doing, we wouldn't be researching it. Yeah, but you were wrong. Yes, yeah. I know. That's why I was Trying studying it. it. That's why I was experimenting to see if I was right or wrong. Turns out I was wrong. Now we know. Okay, that's not a fail. Not at all. So that whole thing about there are no stupid questions, just between you, me, and the chickens, we all know there are stupid questions. But you never treat them as if they are stupid questions. Because if you treat the stupid questions like stupid questions, you will not hear the good questions. Because people will worry that what they've got to ask is a stupid question, and they'll keep their mouth shut, and they'll go on making their best guess and being wrong and uncertain, and it will really impede their learning. Don't make them feel stupid, even when they're being stupid. Yeah. Because you don't want to quash their willingness to try this is a hard thing for some people some people they 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 get their sense of self-worth by being having an image that they are superior to other people okay this is a lot some people are just wired this way and if you're wired this way um you probably don't even know it the teacher likes to be right, too. Don't get me wrong. And you've, we all have so, teachers yeah. who, who just absolutely will never admit that they're wrong. They just won't admit it. We've all had them. Or that any approach other than theirs might have merit. And, you know, if you think back, weren't they a lousy teacher? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. With, you know, the, the exceptions. There, there was one, one exception in... in her past that I think is rather hilarious. <laughs> um, she took a test and she'd gotten a perfect hundreds on her tests in, I think it was biochemistry, it was, something like that. Uh, quantitative analysis. Quantitative actually. analysis, yes. She'd gotten perfect scores the whole semester. And the doctor grading the test, she gave the test back and she only got a 99. And she wasn't that much of a gunner. But I really didn't. But she, so she went back and looked at the test and she really didn't understand what was wrong with her answer because he took a point off for it and she just didn't know. So she went and talked to him, just not in a friendly way because it didn't matter. I mean, she was getting an A. It did not matter. Rumble strip, you may hear it. Got one more coming up. Here we go. Three, two, one. Rumble. Okay. Um, she didn't know. So, another rumble. She went to talk to him, and he's like, well, you know, I guess if you sort of read it like like this. and There was something like, in this diagram here <laughs> where if you looked at it a particular way, might be considered to be not entirely correct. It was pretty much his phrase. <laughs> and I just looked at him like, really? And he just grinned and said, well, I didn't want you to think... You were perfect and had no room for improvement, so there we go. 
What? Okay. Now we know. We're good. <laughs> True story. Yeah, he he was a he was a, a fun guy. guy and he was a good teacher. Yeah, that was but, just, that was just a well, you know. That was a I wouldn't want you to think you're all that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's part of the issue is it's hard for a lot of people to put out them, themselves out there for being wrong and being an expert. It can be especially difficult with people who are experts in other fields or who are very competent in other fields because they're used to being competent and going back to being incompetent at something else does not feel nice and they are much more ready to draw back and reject what you're trying to tell them if you make them think they're stupid or make them feel like you think they're stupid or incompetent or just being slow or whatever so if your real goal is to teach people then don't make them feel stupid. If your real goal is to make yourself feel right, there's the whole internet out there. You can go out there and have out like so many people do. There you go. Don't express it in your teaching if you actually want people to learn. Uh, limit distractions. Oh, People think they can multitask, and they can't. I, I've got an advantage there because... Uh, I do teach some some uh, neuroscience, among other things. There's just a little bit of that in what I teach. So I'm happy to point out in a, oh, this is an interesting biological fact, which they're used to for me, kind of way. Uh, you know, the human brain does not actually multitask. Every time you try and switch your attention from one thing to another, you don't, you can't think about two things at once. You just switch back and forth. And do you know the average loss time of computational speed for every switch is several milliseconds long. So there's a gap in there of several milliseconds where your brain is paying attention to neither thing because it's switching between them. So if you look at how many times you switch tasks while you think you're multitasking, you come up with a significant portion of your time where your brain's not doing anything but switching. In and because words, I'm teaching a bunch of biology geeks, that they find that interesting, and that moves them a lot more. In other words, multitasking wastes time. Yeah. It withdraws your attention from what you're doing. You're not Scientifically really... proven. <laughs> yes. Not that anybody who thinks they can do ten things at once will ever believe you anyway, because they're not listening. They're too busy trying to do ten things at once. I get much better buy-in when I use the neuroscience approach yes, well. than when I just... Point out gently, that does not look like focus. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, of course, I think cell phones are the devil. That's me. But, you know, if you're trying, if you're trying to teach, some, teach people and they're on their cell phone, it's just not going to work. You have to get the cell phones out away, turn down, set down, you know. And in situations where you're trying to, to, to do a classroom kind of thing, okay, yeah, it's going to be difficult to do. In situations where you're tra teaching stuff like uh, firearm safety and stuff like that, don't mess around. Put the cell phones away. Then do it because they have to learn that stuff. And my last teaching tip for, for this podcast, hmm? don't exceed their attention span. We'll be talking to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>